Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you download our free Living Truth app. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 16 through 1110, called, A Shoot Will Spring from the Stem of Jesse. I want to show you a biblical prayer to start off with in Colossians chapter 1. We got to share uh, from number 6 on Sunday, and we ended with the ironic blessing that the Lord had instructed the priest to pray for the people. And this is a prayer of Paul. It's found in Colossians chapter 1. I'd like to open with it because I think that this is the heart of both the, the desire that we have from the song we just sang and the purpose of Bible study. Colossians 1, verse 9. Fathers, people are locating that text. We are so grateful to be together tonight. So grateful to be a family that you love. And we're grateful, Father, to come before your word with hungry hearts. Your word is majestically woven together by your Holy Spirit. And we're grateful that uh, we can come before it with anticipation And we do want to pray that you would open our hearts and minds to both receive and apply the truth that we hear tonight. We ask your blessing on the study in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's the prayer, Colossians 1.9. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you, to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously, giving thanks, 12, to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So I want you to notice, as power-packed as that is, I want you to notice that the prayer of Paul is for people, verse 9, to be filled with the knowledge of his will, to be filled with spiritual wisdom, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, 10, to please him in all respects, to bear fruit, to increase in the knowledge of God, to be strengthened with his power, and to be both steadfast, patient, and joyful, and thankful. What a, what a rich prayer. So if you're looking for something to pray for other believers, or something to pray before you enter into Bible study, because I believe it's important that you ask the Lord to give you understanding and to help you grow in both knowledge and power, um, this is a great prayer. So I just wanted to open up with that. Now we're going to turn to Isaiah. It's been a long time since we've been in Isaiah, and we're actually in chapter 10. We'll move into chapter 11 tonight. I want to backtrack for a moment and just tell you a little bit about the king of Assyria. The king of Judah, Ahaz, had made an alliance with the king of Assyria. Rather than trusting in God, and remember God gave that promise uh, The promise was of the coming of the Messiah. His name would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And God was making kind of at least a twofold promise there. 
that God would be with the nation Judah. Ahaz was the king. The Davidic dynasty would be withheld and upheld by God. There would be that uh, preservation, if you will. And God's saying, trust me, trust me, trust me. Well, the northern kingdoms there, uh, the northern kingdom made up of the 10 tribes there in the north had made an alliance with Syria or Aram as it's sometimes called to the north. And Judah to the south had made an alliance with Assyria. They felt that Assyria was the biggest power of the day and therefore could protect them against this Syro-Ephraimite alliance. That's what scholars call it where the uh, Ephraim, uh, the northern tribes, if you will, in Israel and Syria had come together and they were going to attack Judah. So the king of Judah is nervous, he's worrisome, he is not trusted in the Lord. We looked at uh, a passage that recapped his life and he was into idolatry and all kinds of stuff and it really cost him and the nation. So Assyria is on the move and Assyria is not only going to deal with the, the northern confederacy, but the king of Assyria is planning on taking out the south as well. And here's what he says. This is Isaiah 10, 11. Shall I not do to Jerusalem and her images just as I have done to Samaria and her idols? So there's the southern and northern kingdoms. That's uh, Isaiah 10, 11. So it will be that when the Lord has completed all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, he will say, I will punish the fruit of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria and the pomp of his haughtiness. For he has said, by the power of my hand and by my wisdom, I did this. For I have understanding and I removed the boundaries of the peoples and plundered their treasures. And like a mighty man, I brought down their inhabitants. And my hands reached to the riches of the peoples like a nest. And as one gathers abandoned eggs, and I gathered all the earth. And there was not one that flapped its wing or opened its beak or chirped. Is the axe to boast itself over the one who chops with it? Now the Lord is speaking. Is the saw to exalt itself over the one who wields it? That we that would be like a club wielding those who lift it or like a rod lifting him who is not wood. Basically, God is saying, you've turned things around. Actually, to the king of Assyria, you have become my instrument. You have become my tool of judgment, and that's all you are, is a tool of judgment, because Israel is my people, and Jerusalem and Judah are the city of my heart. And Assyria, all you are in your pomp and arrogance is simply a tool for discipline for me to use on my people to bring them back to their senses, to bring them back to me. And once I'm done with you, I'm going to deal with you as well. The sad thing about the king of Assyria is that as he moves and conquers lands, he includes or lumps in both the north and the south in Israel with images and idols. Shall I not... Uh, verse 11, due to Jerusalem and her images, just as I have done to Samaria and her idols. This was the cause of God's judgment. And for Assyria, moving through these lands, Israel and uh, the, both the northern and the southern parts and the kingdoms therein had become like every other nation, filled with idolatry. And that was really largely the work of Ahaz. He had raised up the Asherah poles. He had even sacrificed his child to Molech in the fire. 
And God said, I am going to judge you and I'm going to use some of these nations that that's what they do. They are into idol worship. But the sad thing is that they can't even differentiate you from the other nations. You don't look different at all to them. As they make conquest after conquest, they lump you in with the other idol worshipers. You have not made yourself distinct, Israel. You are supposed to be what? A light to the Gentiles. You are supposed to show people that an idol is nothing. It is simply something made by the hands of man and the mind of man. It cannot produce, it cannot walk, it cannot talk, cannot think, and it certainly cannot deliver. But you have lumped yourself in with these other nations. And there's a point at which even God's own people, Israel, when they got far enough away from him, he said, enough is enough. And he would use a foreign uh, invading army to judge his people. And that's radical. But that's kind of where we left off in the book. That Assyria is now moving and making no differentiation. And God turns it around and he says, you think you're something? And this is analogous, uh, the analogy in Scripture is can the clay say to the potter, why did you make me this way? Or can the clay then be formed and say, I'm really the one, I'm in control of my own destiny here. No, you're not. The potter is the one who makes the clay. And God is basically saying, look, Assyria, I made you because all of mankind belongs to me. You are my creation and I'm using you for my purpose. And though you think no one's gonna chirp at you, verse 14, I'm about to roar. I'm about to show you who is actually in charge here. Therefore, this is Isaiah 10, 16. The Lord, the God of hosts, will send a wasting disease among his stout warriors, that is, among Assyria's armies. I will send leanness among his fat ones, New King James. And under his glory, or so-called glory, a fire will be kindled like a burning flame. If you have an NIV, it says, therefore the Lord, the Lord Almighty, will send a wasting disease upon his sturdy warriors. Under his pomp, a fire will be kindled like a blazing flame. God is saying both from within, notice the wasting disease, and from without, the fire, I will deal with this pomp and circumstance of Assyria. I will deal with you both from your soul and from your flesh. I will, I will get you going both ways, if you will. I will ruin both your soul and body if you continue in this pompous uh, arrogance. And the light of Israel, 17, will become a fire. I want you to notice, Bible students, the light of Israel is a description of God, will become a fire. God is a consuming fire. And his holy one, a flame. Notice there are two uh, persons that seem to be indicated here in this text. And you could think of the Trinity here, namely the Father and the Son. That's what jumped out at me. The light of Israel is God. The light of your life is Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If a man follows me, he will not remain in darkness, but he will have what? The light of life. John says, light came into the world, but men loved darkness rather than life. Of course, quoting Jesus there. And so this light of Israel is the God of Israel, the God of the Bible, his Holy One, and they will be a flame, and it will burn, middle of 17, and devour his thorns, speaking of the Assyrian king here, and his briars, notice, in a single day. Hold your finger in Isaiah 10 and go to Isaiah 37. Isaiah 37. So God says it doesn't matter if it's your briars or your thorns. The to the fire, it doesn't matter. I'm going to burn it all up. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Michael Lance says it at the end of each week, get to church. Fellowship is important. If you live in Southern California, make sure you visit the church Pastor Michael has the honor of serving as senior pastor. Living Truth Christian Fellowship is in the city of Corona on 1009 Arsenal Way. You can learn more about the church on walkintruth.com. If you listen to Walk in Truth and you're nowhere near Southern California, Pastor Michael would ask that you make an effort to get into fellowship. Being alone is needed sometimes, but it's not the way the Lord would have you live. Pastor Michael and the whole Walk in Truth team pray you get to church this week and learn more about Pastor Michael Lance, the mission of Walk in Truth, and our church at walkintruth.com. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walkin' Truth. Hold your finger in Isaiah 10 and go to Isaiah 37. Isaiah 37. So God says it doesn't matter if it's your briars or your thorns. The fi- to the fire, it doesn't matter. I'm going to burn it all up. Here's Isaiah 37, 31. And the surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. 37, 32. For out of Jerusalem shall go forth a remnant, and out of Mount Zion survivors. The zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, he shall not come to this city or shoot an arrow there, neither shall he come before it with a shield, nor throw up a mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return, and shall not come to this city, declares the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it. For my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Remember I made note of the Davidic covenant, the throne of Israel being protected. And God says, if you come to the south and you think that you're going to deal with my holy city the way you've dealt with other nations, you can think again because it's not going to happen. And I will defend the city for my own sake and for the covenant, if you will, verse 35, that I have made with David. Today, in the news, Border crossings are being threatened in Israel. It's happening in the north. It's happening in the Gaza area right now. Syria is coming down. We've had all kinds of uprisings happening. And a lot of it has been done because we know that there are people who are trying to somehow find peace and democracy who have been under difficult leadership. But what we don't, or maybe we don't fully understand yet, is who's going to go into those places once there is a gap in leadership. And we know that the Muslim Brotherhood right now is on the move. And they're trying to step into these open spaces and basically bring more Islamic rule to these regions. And there is Israel in the middle of all this stuff with Egypt to the south and Syria to the north and all these neighbors and things are on the move. Things are changing quickly and now the border crossings are being threatened in Israel. If you turn on just your normal news channel, you will see some of this happening even now. 
And of course, every time it happens and Israel retaliates for people breaking the law, what happens? They get blamed. And right now there are all kinds of people, there's all kinds of misinformation, but I'll tell you what, Israel is more and more seemingly being threatened by these neighbors. And I want you to notice 36. Then the angel of the Lord went out and struck how many? 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when men arose early in the morning, behold, all of these were dead. So Shennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh, the capital of Assyria. And it came about as he was worshiping in the house of Nick, Nisrash, Nisrach, his god, that that guy and the other guy, his sons, killed him with the sword. And they escaped into the land of Ararat. And that other place. His son became king in his place. You see, God doesn't have a problem defending his turf. He does it in his time and in his way. And in one night, the angel of the Lord killed how many Assyrians? That's a pretty good night's work. 185,000 one night. Bye-bye. You see, you're dealing with a supernatural being here who can dispatch angels if he wants to, and he can deal with the world that he has made. But he's allowed Assyria to have this certain amount of freedom for a time. Go back to chapter 10. So God says, I will devour in one day with this holy, righteous flame. And he, God, will destroy the glory of his forest. This is Isaiah 10, 18. The glory of his forest. Now he's going to use metaphors from the forest and trees to get his point across. He will destroy, 1018, the glory of his forest and his fruitful garden, both soul and body. There's that inside, outside again. And it will be as when a sick man wastes away. This will be total destruction of both soul and flesh. If you've ever seen someone dealing with a besetting disease and all of a sudden that disease is getting the best of him, that's the picture that's here. A wasting away, and God says, I'm going to judge you as though you were a sick man. You think you're a stout warrior, this is what I will do to you. And the rest of the trees of his forest, that's the Assyrian army in metaphor, will be so small in number that a child could write them down. Or another way to say it is, they will be so small in number. Think of what we just read in, later in Isaiah 37, that a child could count them, count the army with one hand. One, two, Three soldier, four, five, and the rest are no more. That's basically what he's saying. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar. The elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. When the day of the Lord comes, the source of the judgment, the tool by which God will judge will be fire. And this will be a radical judgment, the judgment called the day of the Lord. And he will burn with unquenchable fire. And we even see the image of fire is used of hell itself. It is the wrath or fury of God. And so Peter says, looking, we're looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord or the day of God on account of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. And since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought we to be in holy conduct and godliness? The idea of the earlier exhortations from God to the leader Ahaz was don't fear them. I will take care of them. I will deal with them. But we 
We had to make it human and we had to say, if you knew that armies were assembling and were going to come down to Southern California and they were in San Francisco, would you be a little nervous? Would you be at a prayer meeting or loading your AK-47? You know, what would you be doing? Maybe both. But the point is, you have to see the humanity here. The king, he can't seem to get to trust God because he doesn't believe God. Now, we'll come about in that day, 20, that the remnant of Israel and those of the house of Jacob who have escaped will never again rely on the one who struck them, but will truly rely on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. Look for the names of God in these sections. You're going to see the Lord, the God of hosts. You're going to see the Holy One of Israel in that day, says the ESV. The remnant of Israel and the survivors of the house of Jacob will no more lean on him who struck them, but will lean on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel in truth. That's the ESV, verse 20. No longer will they lean on the wrong foundation. How long have you been leaning on the wrong foundation. Or sometimes when we're in trouble, what do we lean on? The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and what? Lean not on your own understanding in how many of your ways? In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Another way to say that verse is, lean on the Lord and don't lean on your own understanding. Which way do you lean when the wind is blowing? You've been listening to A Shoot Will Spring from the Stem of Jesse, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 16 through 1110. And don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Walk in Truth is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and we would love to connect with you. It's great to meet our listeners, and not everyone can visit the church here in Corona, California, although we recommend that you do. But either way, please connect with Walk in Truth on social media. Now here's Pastor Michael. Well, as Isaiah reflects back on this idea of the stump of Jesse, we go back right now in our minds to David, the youngest who became the king, the second king of Israel. And David received a promise from the Lord that one from his loins would rule and reign. And of course, David got the promise, but it it, would be realized in the greater David, the son of David, if you will, Jesus Christ. And this prophecy in Isaiah chapter 11 is all about the Lord coming from the stump of Jesse. And it talks about how he would be anointed with the Holy Spirit. And we talk about the different things that he manifested, the wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge of the fear of the Lord, etc. Um, you know, Jesus anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit, went about doing good. Righteousness, the belt of his waist. Faithfulness, the belt of his loins. And then this beautiful imagery that we often uh, attach to the millennial reign of Christ where you know God's holy mountain comes into view and uh, all of a sudden peace, the Prince of Peace restores what the world should have been. Uh, had our first parents not fallen. This is how we know. Uh, every time the book of Isaiah gets, gets dark and heavy, and it's certainly a whole lot of that, light dawns, and we get to see a picture, once again, of the ultimate answer 
to the dilemmas of man. That is the Savior, the Messiah, the servant, Jesus Christ. Hey, do you know him as your personal Lord and Savior? Maybe you've been listening to Christian radio a while. Maybe you've been considering the claims of Christ, and you are sensing that now is the day of salvation. And you're right, because now is the acceptable time, and now is the day of salvation. Today, the devil will say tomorrow. The Lord says, now, get saved now. Don't put it off. You might say, Pastor Michael, how do I do that? How do I come to know this righteous branch, this, this Messiah, Jesus? You ask him into your life. You repent of your sin. Simply means you turn, you do a 180 on the road of life. Instead of walking away from God and walking with your idols or in your own strength or power, dot, 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 you turn around, you do a 180, and you come to God through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask him in. Lord Jesus, save me. You don't have to have a perfect prayer. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that you came into this world on a rescue mission. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead. Be my king. Be my God. Be my savior. Wash me clean, Lord. Teach me to follow you all the days of my life as a sheep follows his shepherd. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, we'd love to know if you opened your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we'd love to know how we can pray for you. Would you send us a note when you go to walkintruth.com? Just let us know how we can pray for you. We'd also love to know if you opened up your heart to the Lord Jesus uh, through this radio teaching program, walkintruth.com. God bless you, and Lord willing, we'll see you right here tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Isaiah chapter 10, verse 16 through 1110, called A Shoot Will Spring from the Stem of Jesse. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.